Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. Welcome to the program. Our next guest is on the line, Larry Koretsky, CEO of Commence. Welcome to the program. Uh, We always start out, Larry, by asking our guests a little bit about themselves personally before we start about anything else. Sure. I'm the CEO of Commence Corporation. Uh, We're a provider of what's known as customer relationship management software, or CRM. I've uh, spent a little more than 30 years in the software industry, primarily managing large sales organizations and marketing teams. So I feel that I have a pretty strong degree of uh, expertise in this particular sector. But you're here to talk about, and the reason I invite you on the program, which is uh, the fact that salesmen uh, get no's more than they usually get more no's than yeses and how you deal with that and and your own thoughts on it. Well, that's a great question, and um, the the reason for that, Don, is is really quite simple. Uh, Sales is probably the only profession where you have a mixed bag of people. You have folks who come out of college that are professionally trained in sales. You have others that change their careers from teachers or engineers to become salespeople. And very often, people have a tendency to read situations a bit differently between each other. So one of the things that we've done, we provide automated software to help manage the sales process and create structure for a sales organization. I'll give you an example. One of the areas that always troubled me was lead qualification. Uh, Every small business, mid-sized business gets a forecast every month or every quarter, and for God's sake, it's always wrong. And the reason is, is that what one person believes is a qualified opportunity or a forecasted opportunity may not be the same for somebody else. So we've automated the process, which allows sales executives to identify the criteria for what makes a qualified prospect. And the sales reps need to follow that structure. And what it does, in a sense, is it ensures that your sales team is focused like a laser beam on the most qualified opportunities. And the end result is better close ratios and higher revenues. That's all well and good. But uh, I always use as an example, um, if, you, if you go to a trade show, you collect 100, 500 leads, okay, and uh, 99 times out of 100, most of those leads are not followed up. Uh, uh, I know it's a little bit off the subject, but uh, I've noticed that salesmen tend to, to go for the low-hanging fruit and uh, tend not to... Uh, listen as much as they should. Could you address that? Yes, be happy to. In fact, uh, that's one of the strongest areas that we spend time in. We, we offer a automated program called Drip Marketing. And you're right on target. As a salesperson, you're going to get three types of opportunities, ones that are immediately interested in your product and service, and as a result, you're contacting them and following up. Then you've got what we call B and C leads. Those are folks that indicate there is some interest, but they're not doing anything for the next four to six months, or the C leads that tell you don't call back at all. And the fallacy of being a human being is that's typically what happens with salespeople. What we've done is automated the process so that a salesperson can make that determination of people that are not ready yet, and we put them in an automated drip marketing campaign, which simply means that every month or every quarter or on specific timetables, our system automatically sends out an email or direct mail campaign to those particular prospects with the objective being that 
we have our company, our product, and our service in front of that prospect continually until such time they ask us to please desist, stop sending this information, or they re-engage and are interested in our products. Well, uh, that's well and good, and uh, I'm a a lot older than I think most of our listeners, but I remember uh, when I I ran a sales force, um, that was something I expected my salespeople to do. Sure. The the call up to continually, uh, I look at it as a, a funnel. You've got a lot in the front and then very little down at the bottom, and you have to uh, continually talk to your prospects in order to get them uh, to the point uh, to the point of sale. Uh, why do you need an automated system if they're not if they're good salespeople? Well, that's a good question as well. The reason is is that as a human being, you're going to be very forgetful. It's much easier to have an automated process that is continually doing the job for you. And it's, it's not just following up. It's sending educational materials. It's sending testimonials about work you may have done in that same industry that the prospect is in. Uh, once again, providing educational information about selling tips or business process improvements that they can make. So there is always the job of the salesperson to do some follow-up, but it's the job of the corporation to continue to make sure that they're putting their face in front of that prospect as well. And the only way to do that efficiently is with automated programs. So what you're, in effect, doing is uh, what a salesman used to do, uh, taking at least half the job and automating it, if I'm hearing you correctly. That's correct, and it gives them more time personally to focus their energy on the most promising opportunities. Uh, But how how do they interface with it? Uh, Where does the human element come into it? Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I like to be sold by uh, by someone who uh, seems to know me personally, seems to have understood my problem. Uh, how do you uh, integrate those uh, the personal side with with this automated system? Well, that's the thing, Don. The automated system basically is approaching and taking care of the people that are not highly qualified at this time so that your salespeople can spend an inordinate amount of time giving the personal touch that people that are interested. Mm-hmm. So it's that follow-up part that salespeople just forget to do, don't want to do, or just get lazy, that the automated system does for them. Well, I'll, um, I'll tell you, there's one company that um, has been sending, uh, they must have me on three different salesmen's lists, because for the last six months, I get three different emails from them, even though I keep telling them, no, there's no way I can buy the system. And, but and not only that, but I get three of the identical messages from, from three different salespeople. Yeah. Well, that's poor, poor workmanship on the part of that particular company. They have some kind of automated process in place, but they don't have it stru- structured properly. Well, why would a small business want your, your service or a service like yours? Well, there's a lot of reasons. First is that small businesses have tremendous challenges in front of them. You've got a weak economy. You've got the highest degree of competition we've seen in years, regardless of what industry you're in. And they're also struggling to take advantage of new technologies, things such as cloud computing and social networking that are making a major impact on businesses around the world. But because of uh, lack of IT resources or the inability of these people to hire the real good ones, they're not being able to take advantage of that. So programs like Commence CRM basically start and allow you to capture, track, manage, and share information with the people that need it throughout their organization to do their jobs. So information is streaming into every company each day from the telephone, the fax, email, and the web. What happens to that data is mission critical. What we do is put it into a central database where it's immediately accessible for all people to see. So, for instance, if you have a salesman who's got his own little computer and his own little accounts and he leaves the company, he leaves with all that knowledge, leaving, yes. you, leaving you with nothing. In our situation, that information is resident in the main database. So if that individual leaves, another salesperson can take over that territory immediately and have all the notes and history associated with it. But we do more than, all, than just manage sales. 
We're trying to help these companies do things that they're struggling with, which is build brand recognition um, and provide world-class customer service through, once again, automated programs where customers can get onto your website 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and get answers to their questions that they normally couldn't get because there's nobody around to take the call. Well, that, that's something of, of great interest. But how do you, if someone calls in uh, and says, gee, I'm, I'm interested in your product, your widget, uh, and, and it gets to a, there are no more receptionists, uh, it seems, in this world, unfortunately. Um, they call in, they get somebody, and uh, maybe they call in to the sales line. What happens then? Well, we traditionally have a series of questions we want to ask them. What is their main objective of calling us? What is it they're looking to do? Are they looking to automate their sales process? Are they looking to build brand recognition for their company through marketing and social networking? Are they trying to reduce the time, effort, and cost associated with managing their IT department? What is it that they're really looking to do? And typically, there's only one or two main things. Uh, From there, we try to make recommendations on how we can assist them show them some examples of how we've done things with other companies, and see if they have an interest in, uh, in engaging our services. Oh, but, okay, and then you've got all this. Is this being typed in as they talk, or is it uh, on a slip of paper that is inputted? What, ha- what happens in that process? Because uh, in my experience, it's been people will call in or email, et cetera, but, but sometimes they drop, um, it drops between the initial uh, uh, contact and entering that workspace. And I'm just, I'm curious, because that, well, yes. uh, let, let me just, uh, Go ahead. Uh, we do surveys of small business, and one of the things, and one of the reasons, excuse me, you're invited into this program was because some people have adopted systems, but uh, say the biggest, uh, their biggest drawback is getting the information into the system. Rather, after that, it works, but it, that's to them is the critical step that seems to not occur. Yeah, well, say it's a process internally where people need to be trained and focused on what they need to do, but typically they do enter the system on in the computer as they're talking with customers. And these systems today are extremely capable, and they can be entered in an, an iPad or tablets. They can be entered in their smartphones. They can be entered in a PC or a laptop or a Macintosh computer from their home, from their hotel room, from their automobile if they wish. That's the beauty of the new capabilities of mobile, mobile technology. So there's no excuse anymore for a salesman or anyone else who can't enter data into the system. You're right. There's no excuse, but it's still happening. And and I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said training. Uh, also, well, let me ask you this question. Um, there seems to be a, a, a different, uh, a generational differences. Uh, I'm sure older salesmen uh, have difficulty adjusting to these systems. Uh, pretty the middle group probably can, and the young people who have grown up with all of this have no problems. Is it better to have a younger sales force and and train them into it or uh, somehow blend it? Well, uh, you're you're absolutely right. A blend is most important. I think the the younger generation really understands the value of social networking in sales. And I'll give you a great example that I discussed with a customer the other day. Uh, We had a call into a particular prospect, and we went to find this prospect on LinkedIn. And I happened to notice that the guy had worked for a company, uh, same company that my next-door neighbor had worked for for years, and he recently retired. So I asked my neighbor if he knew this guy, and he did. So he sent an email to the fellow saying I was a good guy and president of the company and CEO, and I would have taken the call. And what we had done was an instant bond. The first few minutes of our conversation, we were talking about my neighbor, but we had an instant bond for two people that had never met each other before. So right. I, wasn't a, I wasn't a vendor trying to sell services anymore. I was a guy that people knew, and there was a trust factor there. The younger generation kids get it. They understand the value of this social networking, how important it is. The, the folks that run these small businesses, for the most part, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, 
just wasn't part of their generation. So they really don't understand how it can be tremendously valued to their business. Well, you're talking to one. <laughs> well, I'm not far behind you, to be, <laughs> to be honest. But being a technology guy, I've, I've, uh, I've learned from a lot of my staff and the younger generation people who have uh, taken this technology and done wonders with it. Well, that's, that's true. Uh, but but what, what's happened to the personal touch? Uh, it seems to me that uh, somehow or other we've we've uh, lost the. Uh, we no longer call uh, call on people. We don't. Uh, we do very little cold calling. Uh, I've noticed over the last two years that cold calling, someone just calling up and saying, "I got your name. I want to talk to you," has gone down tr- dramatically. Uh, certainly with me and as I talk to other people, they also find that. What does that mean for the future? Well, I'm not concerned with it. I think you're right, but what's missing is the fact that these younger generation salespeople are now doing what I just referred to as the soft sell. In other words, they're researching people on the Internet. They're finding hooks and ways to get at people where there's some continuity, some reason to call, versus just the old cold call where the percentage of getting opportunities there was very small anyway. So they're being much more clever about it. There is still cold calling going on, but they're doing some research before that. The other part of the fact is, you're right, our generation and, uh, well, this country seems to be more interested in getting answers off the Internet than talking with people. And that's another area that we've spent a lot of time on, which is called customer self-service. And if you think customers want to talk to people and get that human touch, you're wrong. They don't. They want to get on the Internet 24-7 and get answers to their questions without waiting on hold, without talking to a service representative. They just want customer self-service. And that's just the way of our country at the moment. I don't agree with it myself, but it's the way of the world. And certainly if you survey customers, they'll tell you that they would prefer to just get on the Internet and get answers to their questions and not have to wait around on hold to talk to somebody from your company. Well, you, uh, being a reporter who's been a, a reporter for a long time, that has become a real difficult area. Doing good reporting uh, has become twice as diffi- difficult because we simply can't reach people like we used to. Yes. They used to remember they used to say seven phone calls could get you any, anybody? And now, you, now it's 14 or 15, if at all. Uh, well, even it, even in the sales game, Don, you know, we used to go to trade shows for years. They've pretty much dwindled. People would call and ask for information. Today they go to the Internet, they download the product, they test it, they get a documentation and guides, frequently ask questions, uh, references from other people all off the website. They just don't want to talk to you anymore. And it's, it's disturbing and disappointing because I'm an old-school guy myself. But it's the way it is. <laughs> well, uh, I hope our audience is learning. I'm certainly learning from this uh, conversation. Um, it, it, it's it's very very interesting. We get a lot of uh, new technology people on this program, and uh, uh, in the time that I've been on, I've seen, I've talked to a lot of people. And uh, if I were starting a company uh, today, thank God I don't have to. Um, it, it will be twice. It would be twice as easy to start it, because uh, uh, the infrastructure is there uh, uh, to do literally everything. You don't have to buy a computer anymore. You don't. You can. Uh, everything's out there for you, including building a website. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the website. Uh, what do you recommend uh, uh, the website be like in order to drive? Uh, your type of product? Yeah, it's a very good question, and it's an area that is often terribly overlooked by smaller businesses. So many businesses we deal with, they have a website, and it's really nothing more than an electronic brochure. Yes. There's, there's no interaction in any which way or form. No forms on the website for people to fill in to ask for brochures or information or talk to a representative. Uh, it's just a um, just an electronic brochure. So we try to help people build interactive websites where uh, people can put in questions and get answers right away, where people can can access to information uh, about products and services, how it compares to the competition. Uh, It's an area that's 
just grossly overlooked by smaller businesses. And for good reason, none of these folks that I talk to who are CEOs or owners of the company, they didn't go into business to become a data processing shop. They got into business to do what they do best. And so taking advantage of these technologies, building an interactive website, using cloud computing for better performance of their systems and being able to access data, uh, social networking, these are all new things to these folks. And they need help getting to take advantage of them. Well, uh, help costs money. What does your system cost? Well, our system is really quite affordable. It's, there's a package designed for small business that starts as low as $19 per user per month. Uh, and that allows people to automate their contact and accounts and sales and marketing and activity management and calendars. Uh, it's really quite affordable. And what we've done well over the years is take technology that's traditionally only been available to bigger organizations and bring it down for the small guys. Where, where are you located? Well, we're a global footprint company. We're headquartered in, uh, in Eatontown, New Jersey, but we have um, operations in a number of the European countries as well as Canada and Australia. And how do people uh, reach you if they want to your website, which I hope is interactive and gives them a lot of answers. But how do they reach you if they want to talk to you directly? Uh, directly would be via our main phone number, which is 732, area code, 380-9100. And our website is Oh, It's commence. I, I, I should have uh, read it better in the, in the beginning, but... Uh, uh, I won't forget it now. I might even uh, <laughs> at some point drive down, uh, arrange to come down and look at your operation. It sounds fascinating. Love to have you. Um, again, and we'd love to have you come back again, talk perhaps with a panel or something about uh, the technology changes and how it's affecting small business. Be happy to do that, Don. Well, uh, really, thank you for being with us, and please come again. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed my time with you. Our guest today is Paul Prophet, who has an organization which I love the name of, Sundown Rundown. Uh, welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, Paul, as we always ask uh, our guests uh, first, a little bit about yourself personally before we get into the to what I think will be a fascinating subject for our audience. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, so um, my name is Paul Prophet. I'm from uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, born and raised, and um, I've been involved with the uh, entrepreneurial community uh, within uh, Central Ohio for a number of years since the late 90s. I was involved with a couple of business incubators, and um, kind of the, the bug has always stayed with me, and um, as I have uh, went through my uh, my schooling at the uh, Fisher College of Business at Ohio State and going through their entrepreneurial curriculum and, uh, you know, entering their business plan competition, um, just have really kind of uh, stuck with it and have found a, a need to really uh, uh, work with entrepreneurs and, and help them out to uh, make their um, businesses as, as successful as possible. Well, that's fascinating. So now tell us about Sundown Rundown. Yeah, sure thing. Um, it's a uh, nonprofit organization. Um, it was um, started about uh, a year ago, and what it was originally formed as was a uh, business pitch event series so that entrepreneurs could uh, go pitch their idea in front of an audience of other entrepreneurs, um, local investors, mentors, and potential talent to help them uh, take their uh, business idea to the next step. So it's really all about uh, creating uh, more collisions in the space to create connections and to, to really help out the entrepreneur. And uh, felt that this was a, a fun way to do it. It's in a laid-back environment. We usually do it at a bar or a restaurant and uh, obviously at night. Um, so it's a little bit more laid-back and really more of a uh, coaching, mentoring uh, feedback session, uh, not, not a... Uh, not a shark tank, more like uh, more like a manatee uh, petting zoo, more than anything. Well, that, that's interesting because it's always uh, fascinating me how people uh, really find the help to 
uh, avoid um, the mistakes that we've all made. So uh, go a little further. Um, what happens at a typical event like this? Yeah, so uh, basically we have about uh, 30 or 40 people um, in the audience. Um, the, uh, there's a series of, of uh, people lined up to pitch. Uh, they have five minutes to, to pitch their idea. Uh, we usually cover topics in their pitch in terms of, you know, what is the market opportunity, what problem are they trying to solve, how are they going to uh, make money solving that problem, and then what is the ask um, of the audience. And that ask could be anywhere from, uh, monetary uh, support in terms of an investment to just being able to, to make a connection. Uh, we've had uh, one uh, company pitch who was a, uh, a toy manufacturer and uh, he was a student in engineering at Ohio State and he really needed help in terms of making connections with, um, with uh, toy manufacturers and distribution channels and things like that and it turned out that one of the people in the audience was someone who was a uh, senior manager with the uh, Mattel toy company who had since retired and so they made a connection there and uh, they've been uh, you know working on uh, taking the, the project forward uh, from there um, and then uh, after they're done pitching they have five minutes of, of feedback and Q&A from the audience and then um, after that you know usually a quick break and then we bring up the next the next group and uh, we just kind of go in succession um, the events usually last about an hour, hour and a half, and it's really a chance to uh, to network and make those connections. And, and you, you're in central Ohio doing this? Yeah, so we initially started off in central Ohio, um, and then as kind of word spread, we've kind of uh, franchised out. Other people who have, have approached me and said, you know, I'd really like to have a an event like this in my city, and I, I give them the... The, the brand and the and the feedback and, and the support to help them take it to to the city to the city of their choosing. So we've actually got um, chapters in uh, Akron, Ohio, uh, Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, we have a new one that's going to be having their first event in the end of May um, up in Canton, Ohio, and we also have a New Albany, Ohio um, chapter, which is a uh, kind of a far far flung suburb of uh, of Columbus. And uh, we're we're constantly um, um, getting people interested in, in kind of uh, taking this model and, and uh, standing a uh, chapter up in their own in their own city to kind of uh, carry forward um, you know the, this method we've got of trying to, to make connections with entrepreneurs. Well, um, well, first off, how much does it cost to attend one of these events? Uh, it's absolutely free. We don't charge any admission. Uh, we don't charge anything for people to pitch. Uh, we do have a, a kind of a, uh, an interview process before we schedule someone to pitch, but it is pretty much just kind of going over their pitch. What is, what is their ask? Is it, is it the right ask for the audience? It's really, it's really kind of just a, a way to really get the idea socialized uh, with them. So, like I said, it's very, very easy for someone to come in and be able to pitch their idea um, to the audience. Um, the only the only thing that they the person has to worry about paying for is if they decide to order food or or you know buy a buy a drink at the at the restaurant and that's that's really all they they have to worry about in terms of uh, of uh, paying anything and it's really on their own. Well, how do you make money? Um, I don't. We're a uh, we're a nonprofit. Uh, so our our goal is to be a community organization that really um, helps foster foster entrepreneurship. Uh, we do have um, some sponsors that do uh, support some of our educational programming, uh, such as our lunch and launch workshops, and also our um, open houses that we hold at um, an incubator over at uh, over in New Albany called Inc at Eight Thousand, uh, where we do work with the city to help kind of showcase. Uh, what's going on over there? Uh, but other than that, the uh, the business pitch event series is is free and open, and um, it's not a uh, money making vehicle um, that uh, that the organization does. Um, are you part of a of a nonprofit? Uh, I'm curious how you make a living doing this. Um, do, you, are you, do you have a nonprofit? How, how does it work? How do you work? Um, I have a full-time day job. I, I oh, make okay. my money um, in a uh, in a different business, and where most people have 
uh, you know, hobbies of playing golf or making model airplanes or whatever. My hobby is uh, helping entrepreneurs, uh, you know, make their businesses, you know, succeed and help them take the next step. And that's that's really kind of what I'm doing uh, in a uh, as a public service to the community. And there are other like-minded individuals um, around the state um, that that see value in 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 doing this, and they have dedicated to volunteer their time to, um, as, as an extracurricular activity to, you know, run these independent chapters. Well, that's ter- terrific. I wish there were more people like you around, uh, especially in the small business area. Uh, what are some of the typical um, uh, pitches? And uh, Well, you gave one already with the toy, but um, uh, what, are the ben- what are the benefits for the people that attend who aren't pitchy? Uh, well, it's just a way for them to really kind of, uh, you know, tap into the entrepreneurial community. There's a lot of people who have who attend the events who are like, you know, I work for X, Y, and Z company, but I've got some good ideas. I'm not exactly sure where to start, and you know, I, you know, do I pitch my idea right off the bat? Do I need to raise money? A lot of a lot of people have lots of questions on what is entrepreneurship and. How can I get into it, and, and where do I fit in? And, and uh, basically, it, this is a it's a good forum for people to help kind of figure out, you know, what they want to do, what's the next thing they want to do if they don't want to, uh, you know, have the nine to five job but want to, you know, break out and start their own businesses. And here's a chance to to talk to people who have who have gone through that experience. Uh, here's a way to get some inspiration on on being able to, you know. To, what to do, what are the steps to develop your own idea into a business, and really try to reach out and find, you know, mentors and, and potential partners in, in executing uh, a business idea. And I think that that's kind of the big benefit of, of attending these events is just really the whole um, community focus around entrepreneurship and, and kind of growing businesses and, and collaboratively working together to, you know, to build something that, that uh, could be awesome. It really could. If, if someone uh, wanted, if one of our audience wanted to reach you, maybe start a chapter in there. Uh, how, how can they do it? Uh, they can uh, come straight to the website. It's uh, sundownrundown.org. Um, they can submit a, uh, a question through the the contact us page, um, or they can directly send a, send me an email at info i n f o at uh, sundownrundown.org, and uh, I'll, I'll, I check all the email, and I, uh, I'll get back in touch with them and, and uh, talk about how they would like to either, you know, come to one of our events and, and pitch their idea or to um, see about um, what it would take to, to start up a chapter in their own, uh, in their own city. Um, I, I just think it's so terrific what you're doing. Um, uh, it, it's the first one that I've run across. And I've been in in this uh, in this space for almost 20 years. So uh, it, it's well. Let me ask you: How does the the restaurant benefit? Obviously, people come. Do you do it on an off night? What do you, What do you do? Uh, we usually um, are in a um, in one of the um, back rooms, uh, one of their party rooms, and things like that. They usually uh, make their money off of, uh, of food and beverage sales from the from the attendees. Um, it's really just you know finding a finding a nice venue that has um, you know widescreen TVs that we can plug into for presentations, or has access to a, um, a projector where we can you know project the presentations and, and a you know relatively you know, quiet space that people can, uh, you know, make their pitch. Um, it's it's kind of a it's kind of an upside for them. I mean, if they it's, as as meeting spaces are not not uh, used, they they don't see the revenue from them. So they just they they love to have us in there and to really um, you know have stuff happen. I mean, we bring thirty to forty people um, per event in, and so that's a nice uh, nice thing for them to uh, to see some. You know, revenue from food and beverage sales. Um, uh, how often do you have these events? Once a month? Uh, it depends on the market. Uh, so the uh, Akron, Canton, and Mansfield markets are somewhat smaller in terms of population. So they actually do their events quarterly. Um, the two chapters that I run in Columbus and New Albany, uh, we run those events monthly, mainly because we're in a 
uh, larger uh, major metro area. So we have enough uh, people who want to attend the events and enough uh, pitches to be able to support doing things monthly. Uh, it's it, it just fast. I'm sitting here stunned and just fascinated by it. I know. Do you know of any other? I don't, I don't know. Don't know any other voluntary group like this. Uh, um, it just there are organizations like this um, around the country. Many of them, though, are tied to uh, universities. Um, for instance, in, in, uh, in, at, um, at Ohio State, they do have um, a program run through the Technology Commercialization Office. They call theirs Wake Up Startup. Um, it is usually held on it's once, a, once a month on the last Friday, uh, or excuse me, the second Friday of every month at 7.30 in the morning. Um, I'm not a early riser coffee donuts guy. So that's one of the reasons why we uh, we started up Sundown Rundown originally was to have an evening event for more of the working professionals and people who have kids and stuff and, and not necessarily um, students and not necessarily a direct uh, tech-focused um, set of, of businesses that would be pitching. So um, we kind of start as the alternative to, to Wake Up Startup and then we've kind of uh, grown into kind of what we are now. Uh, but there are different types of, of pitch events, kind of like what we do around the country. And like I said, most of them are tied to uh, universities and technology commercialization offices. And a lot of them are very uh, student-focused. And so we're trying to be the other, as it were. Well, how did you get the name on Rundown? Uh, we just basically... I'm a big fan of doing alliteration and things like that. So as I said, we kind of started off as, as, as the opposite of Wake Up Startup uh, when we started. So it was just kind of uh, it was kind of created as a joke of, of me throwing out names, and um, everyone kind of said, hey, that's a great name. Why don't you stick with it? So um, thus, thus the name Sundown Rundown has, has stuck and has uh, you know, proliferated into to other chapters. Oh, uh, again, if people wanted to reach you in your website, uh, yeah, they can they can reach us at the website, and that's uh, sundownrundown.org, or email me at uh, info at sundownrundown.org. I really appreciate your time t- uh, today. It's uh, oh, uh, I know uh, our audience. I know I learned a lot, and I hope our audience does, and I hope they. Uh, call you and start chapters in other cities. I may call you back and start one in uh, here in New Jersey. just sounds like uh, s- such a good idea. How do you publicize? Uh, uh, through social media um, and through the various networks that, that I have personally. And uh, the people who have started chapters are very well uh, rooted in their entrepreneurial networks. So it's really kind of uh, word of mouth and um, just kind of, Blasting things out through social media has really uh, generated the interest. Again, I'm I'm just so pleased you came today, uh, and I really uh, I really wish you good luck. Well, thanks very much, and I, I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Well, uh, we're going to invite you back uh, uh, towards the end of the year to talk about how things are going. Sounds good. We got a lot of uh, other exciting initiatives that are that are rolling out, and so I'd love to uh, come back and uh, talk to you about uh, how those things are shaping up. You, you have it. Come again. All right. Thanks very much. You know, every every day I get uh, emails across my desk talking about one thing or another, but uh, uh, a very unusual one came across talking about a subject that. Uh, many small businesses don't uh, really think about better workplace environment. So we asked Frank Chalupa to join us today and talk a little bit about that. Frank, welcome to the program. Thank you, Don. Thanks for having me. Well, um, as we do with all our guests, before we really get into the topic, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you're doing it, how you got to where you are. Okay, well, I'm born and raised in Chicago, south side of Chicago. Um, went to the University of Illinois on a four-year scholarship. Graduated in three and a half years and accepted my first professional sales position on campus with a Fortune 500 company. Um, I stayed in the Fortune 500 arena 
for the next 25 years you know, with uh, positions anywhere from sales rep through uh, VP of sales. And towards the end of that tenure, uh, I actually met my first, my, my business partner, my current business partner, uh, and he convinced me that there was a vacant niche in the executive suite industry. And from there, we went, uh, you know, 12 years later, we are now the largest privately owned provider of services in the city. Well, that's pretty impressive. We are the largest privately owned and managed executive suite provider in the city. Okay. Now... But you have some unusual ideas on how um, uh, executive space should work. So tell us a little bit about that, and, and tell us a little bit about your company. Yeah. Well, our company, first of all, is very unique in the industry. Uh, we have the ability to take anywhere from a single person to a 100 or 150 people and find them the perfect office or the perfect suite. We can take them from a part-time office to a full-time office, to their own traditional space in their own suite where they put their name on the door. There is nobody other. There is no other provider in the city that can take them through all three phases of their growth. But the most important thing is that when you're starting a business, um, the number one rule or number one thing you should always remember is cash is king. All right, you don't want to overspend, you don't want to uh, extend yourself beyond what you need, but you want to have a professional presence. You want to have something that people think and look at as, hey, this guy is in business. Uh, that's our first step in the program. It's called a virtual office. And for less than $100 a month, we can provide you with a downtown 312 area code, a live receptionist answering the phone from you, answering your calls, collecting your mail, even a couple hours of office time, versus sitting at the home and the kitchen table with the kids yelling and the dog barking and trying to conduct business. So that's your very first step that we provide. It's probably one of the best-kept secrets in the industry. And from there, you grow into a full-time office, and you can have as many offices as you want in any location you want. Uh, we currently have five centers in downtown Chicago, soon to be sixth as of uh, May 1st. And we grow with you and provide you all the non-core services so you can concentrate on the core services. Well, this is a pretty good commercial for you. But uh, our audience is na nationwide, so let's ask them. Uh, let me ask you, what should um, stepping outside of your role of providing it, l looking at it from the small business uh, uh, leader's perspective, what should what should be the decision uh, factors uh, in making the transition, say from a home office to the first office and then on? Uh, how should they go about making those decisions? Well, number one, I think location is very important. All right, it's, if, if you don't have a location that is well known and can be recognized on your business card, uh, that's you know you're, you're not going to get clients. The next thing you have to look at is um, service. Uh, you want to focus on your core business. You don't want to worry about anything else, and a good provider will do that for you. They'll take care of all the day-to-day -day operations, all the, all the things you don't want to spend your time or waste your time on. You'd rather divert towards revenue-producing uh, uh, jobs. Uh, the last thing is a lot, a lot of our clients feel that it's very important to have ownership on site versus just being a number on a contract. Uh, we work with our clients on a day-to-day -day basis to make them better, make them more productive, and we like them as they grow and expand and move on. That's our whole niche. Well, it's a good niche, but but uh, this program is about uh, helping them uh, make the helping them develop the decision factors. Uh, for instance, uh, for for several years, I worked in a, a what well, we used to call a shared office. Mm -hmm. uh, now we call it an executive suite. But um, what really ended up killing me and driving me out was that. Uh, the, there was a cost for everything. There was a cost for the secretary. There was a cost for the um, receptions. There was a cost for using the uh, uh, Xerox machine. Um, and, yeah, the initial cost stays low, but th the other costs start to build up. How do you handle that? Well, we like to try and make it as very simple as possible. There's one basic fee for the for the office, and that includes the reception services, that includes the furniture, that includes the mail services. We sort it and deliver it to your desk every day. That includes beverages in our cafe. Um, 
you know, it can include the phone and Internet. There's a, there's a certain piece, a certain cost for that, obviously, just like there would be with any other in your own suite. But we put it in one nice neat package so you can see exactly what your total monthly fixed cost is. Uh, other services that you may need as you, as you continue to grow and work would be variable fees, which would be administrative support, typing, uh, PowerPoint, uh, you know, anything that you need an administrative assistant for. There is an hourly charge for that. Uh, there's, hourly, there's, there's charges for variable fees, which would be uh, copies, or in our, par in our legal areas, we do paralegal support, we do docket services, we do court filing. That's labor-intensive, and there's a charge for that. But we really want to try and keep it as simple and as possible so that when we give you a total fixed bottom-line monthly cost for the basic program, that's what you can take to the bank, that's what you can budget on, and that's what you can grow your business off of. Well, let me... Uh let me talk a little further. Um, when should a business go from the home office to, to something like yours? Well, I think as soon as you make the philosophical decision to start a company, the first thing you really need to do is obviously you need to go to, to the city or wherever you are and, and get a business license, whether it's an S-Corp, C-Corp, LLC, whatever it is. You do not want to put your home address on it. You do not want to put your home phone number on it. You, do not, you want to be able to give them something that is a business address and business phone number. So as soon as you make that decision to start a company, go out and find yourself a good provider that can provide you with at least the presence of having a part-time office when you need it. Then you decide what, what direction you want to go from a legal standpoint, and then you can start growing. Uh, when it's getting to be more and more taxing for you to stay at home and work on a kitchen table, then you can migrate to taking more and more time in the actual office. That's where our program is built. Well, that's how your program is built, but uh, there are other ones out there which uh, aren't as seemingly as flexible as yours. Um, have you seen that? <clears throat> is there greater, um, uh, how should we say, uh, 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 ability to do your work uh, when you're in an office than when you're home. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's no. Well, I mean, it depends if you're if you're a single bachelor and you're in your apartment and you can lock yourself up and close off uh, the phones and the network and the TV and just concentrate. Maybe not. But most of the, most of our patrons, most of our clients have got families. Uh, they live in. You know, they have their kids. They have their dogs. They have responsibilities at home, and it's very distracting. Uh, we started the business out of my house, out of my den with my business partner, and within six months we realized that, you know, we had to get our offices in our own office. Uh, the productivity increases, the mental attitude increases and improves, and you just feel different by getting up, getting out of the house, putting on a suit and tie if that's what your business calls for, and going to an office. And the office that, is, that you select is your office, 24-7. You can decorate it as you want. There's no interruptions, and you're, it's, you're there to maximize productivity without interruptions. What made you decide to go into your own business? You were obviously successful for 25 years. What made you decide to um, make the big leap? A couple things, a couple things. Uh, number one, both my partner and I really got tired of the Fortune 500 red tape and politics, and it was just so hard to get certain things done. But the bigger reason is that we realized that there was a, you know, there was a niche in this market that needed to be filled. All right. Uh, you needed to have a provider that really wanted to work with you and help you develop. You needed a provider that gave you that wow factor when you walked out of the elevators and, you know, people say, wow, who owns this place? Who are these guys? It's not our center. It's your center. And we realize that if you just put the level of customer service at, a, at the highest level possible, you bring in a technology that is second to none, you provide that wow factor in the location, you will succeed. And, you know, all our centers are doing very well. They're very, they're very full, and we're growing. Like I said, our newest center is opening up on uh, the 1st, uh, right on the river in Adams, and we've already got contracts for that, and we're not even open yet. Well, what obstacles have you faced being a small business owner in a very highly competitive uh, environment? Well, I said one of them in the beginning. When you first start, you've got to be very, very conscious of what you spend i mean you can you can do all the sales in the world and you know you bring all the clients in and provide them with the great service if you don't collect what is due you become in a, you come into a very very critical cash problem so cash is king 
you also got to have great people, people that uh, you bring on board that uh, feel, you know, have ownership in the company as far as they love to work there, they want to work there. Uh, we are probably one of the only providers in, in the market that provides a, you know, a very extensive health care program, a 401k program, and a profit sharing program. Um, you know, so people, getting great staff that you can depend on, cash flow, maintaining it, and always being in looking for ways to improve the next, the next level, bring it to the next level. And obviously customer service is, is, has to be second to, one, second to none. So you believe that uh, providing the highest quality will uh, bring, uh, bring customers? Absolutely. We, to this day, Donald, we still have some of our very first customers that came with us 12 years ago. We had to take them out of their office to paint their office to put, their, put, put them back in their office. And both of these individuals that I'm referring to all right, uh, travel a lot. They're, they're international traders, and they depend on Amada okay, to do the day-to-day tasks while they're gone. So they're, they're modest, the Mata staff is their staff. Uh, and the name of uh, and your website? AmataOffices.com. And uh, if they want to reach you, uh, uh, spell it out. This is radio. All right. It's A-M-A-T-A-Offices.com. Okay. And uh, if they want to reach you directly? Uh, you can call the main number, 312 312- Nine two four, o two hundred. I'd be more than happy to speak with them. Really uh, enjoyed having you on t- tonight, and I hope you come back sometime soon. Thanks for the invite, Donald. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable inv- advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience and profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.